0: You're listening to the Reversing Climate Change podcast by the team at Nori, the carbon removal marketplace. This is a show about the innovators and entrepreneurs developing solutions to climate change.
1: Language of the body? <laughs> I was thinking of like a, like a low rent, like Tony Robbins kind of deal that you would go to. It would be called Language of the Body. It'd be like a five thousand dollars for a day and a half, and you would learn about the language of the body. I mean. <laughs> you're you're,
2: you're in, the, I'll fly in. i'll fly into minneapolis for it I'll play, yeah it's gonna be five thousand
0: dollars is low for tony these days isn't
2: yeah, it that's like tony's toenail clippings
1: yeah it's like well this is like <laughs> like second or third rate tony robbins it's not okay tony. yeah 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 someone just starting out who's trying to teach oh. his, his new all-encompassing system for living this might be the weirdest intro to the show ever we'll look at tony bobbins I don't know. I'll have to figure it out. (laughs) Thanks for listening to whatever that was. I'm Ross Kenyon. I'm one of the co-founders of Nori, which is a carbon removal marketplace. I'm the creative editor over there. Tito Jankowski, CEO of Airminers here, putting him on a weird spot where you caught the beginning of that conversation. Hi, Tito. Welcome back. Been several years. Hi. Welcome to you too, Ross. Thank you. No one ever welcomes me to my own show. And I sometimes feel sad. about <laughs> that. Thank you for, for doing that. <laughs> and then uh, making her debut, Adina Mangubat, Accelerator Director at Air Miners. Hey, Adina. Hi. Hi. We've not had you on the show yet. And then also Jason Grillo in absentia. Sorry, Jason couldn't make it today, but we're thinking of you, Jason.
0: He's running an event <laughs> right now. So he's got a good excuse.
1: He's listened to, I think, more of it than the show, than many people. I feel like he has earned the right to come on here at some point. Next time. Jason, we'll just have you on. Just consider this an open invitation. Airminers, doing cool things. we talk talked about Airminers so many times on the show. We're huge fans. You're, the resources that you've made has shown incredible leadership over the years. We use them to onboard people, like uh, boot BootUp, um, the Slack community the number of people that I've met through there that I still talk to on a regular basis, it's super high, but someone listening might not even know what air miners is. So why don't we start at the basics here? What is air miners?
0: I think it maybe start, makes sense to start with kind of like what we're, what we're about, like why we're, why we're doing this. So for us, it's really about challenging the status quo and thinking differently when it comes to climate change. So we're really interested in empowering the people that are taking risks to accelerate the reversal of climate change via carbon removal. And so what that looks like is we do a bunch of different things. We have a startup accelerator program. We have a huge Slack community of innovators. We have uh investor Academy to educate investors. We have buyer demo days. We have a bunch of different things and we also happen to have a fund as well. So Uh, It's an organization that's really designed to aid in removing a billion tons of carbon dioxide from the atmosphere cumulatively by 2030. So that's what we're up to.
1: I love that. Tito told me that that was a somewhat new mission change, or you maybe put a fine point on it recently that that was the goal.
0: Yeah, we really decided that we wanted to be specific because before we were saying we want a thousand shots on goal on carbon removal. And we were like, well, it's not just any shots we want shots that actually make goal. So let's (laughs) be specific about that.
1: How important is that? Does it actually cause... Have you made decisions differently after changing that, being specific in that way?
0: I mean, I think that we're definitely changing how we're thinking about scale. That's Mm for darn sure. Like As we think about the number of companies that we need to be able to scale our programs for, and thinking about what those companies need and the investment that those companies need and the programming that we're offering to make that investment available, that's all new within the last year based on that change.
1: And Tito, you're kept over in this fund development area. They don't let you out. You just have to talk to investors and raise money and get companies funded. <laughs> is that is that your job now? Is that what you're doing? You're a financial guy now?
2: Unlocking capital for the early stage companies getting started is, is, is a critical piece of that getting to a billion tons of carbon dioxide by, by 2030, for sure. That's what I'm digging in. We'll talk about about later, but in terms of, yeah, how do we unlock, how do we unlock that capital from from investors of of all sorts?
1: I don't want to make fun of you too much, Tito, but this is seriously the most reserved I've ever seen you. Where's the (laughs) the screaming Tito, the golden flaming (laughs) hawk Tito that I've come to expect? What is... (laughs) Let let let, (laughs) Tito. Do we gotta start swearing to let you let you out of your cage?
2: That's right. Let's go. Let's go. Remove uh, a gigaton of carbon.
1: I'm sorry. I'm just making him blush now. Adina, do you agree with me though that we could we could use we could turn the Tito up a little bit?
0: I mean, I think so. I I I, you know it's a complicated thing, right, with investors because there's like a whole world of like what investors expect and like looking good and avoiding looking bad and expecting like a certain level of professionalism and all of that stuff. And so it's a question of like, how do you walk that fine line between giving investors confidence and also just being who we are, which is definitely got a certain wacky component to the whole thing. So yeah.
1: I have a thesis for that. I think, it's almost like the losses feel so much worse than the gains feel good. I feel like a lot, like the bigger the company is. Or oh the shit. Are you Warren
2: Buffett? I thought he's, does, does he say that
1: <laughs> this is not, this is not like a me original here. This is a common sentiment, but I feel like the bigger a company or an organization is, the more they're worried. Like we might get like a nice press release and a couple pickups, but if it goes badly, the risk is much greater than the return. I think there is kind of a, a conservatism that that inspires. I don't even know if that's true, I think you're way more versed. And I think you have a couple exits and you went through Y Combinator and you're a much fancier startup person, but I don't know if you agree (laughs) with this as a business culture thing. Is that even true?
0: I mean, I think that people definitely over time are trying to minimize what they have to lose, right? The more successful you are, the more you have to lose. So I think that there's definitely a culture to that, but that is it's a choice. It might be an unconscious choice, but it's a choice that people make. And and you don't have to run companies that way. And there definitely are companies out there like that. Like like that have gotten quite big that don't adhere to that. I mean, gosh, I remember meeting Tony Shea, who's the CEO of Zappos, and he has he built the wackiest, craziest culture I've ever seen. We were invited to his company's, I think it was like quarterly board meeting, and it was held in this gigantic auditorium and there's like a game show situation and like, I don't know. So it doesn't have to be buttoned up, but I think that there is definitely that narrative that the more together we are, quote unquote, the more serious we have to be or something like that.
1: I've liked working in air miners and carbon removal, especially with you, Tito, primarily because there is... I have to cut this. It's okay, Tito. But there's a sort of goofiness and there's a humor. I always find it to be like kind of a, it's a very smart community. The collective IQ in there is pretty overpowering at times, but also there's a lot of laughs and a lot of like good fellow feeling. And I don't feel like that takes away from the seriousness of what we're doing. I think if you're too serious, it's like not really that fun of a place to work. It's burnout. It's bad.
0: I think it's also necessary to keep the levity of like If you let yourself get too bogged down in the seriousness of what we're, I mean, you know, we're just making sure that the world doesn't go over two degrees Celsius and like that all of these island nations get flooded and like crops fail. And, you know, I mean, like we're just casually doing that. Like if we go there all the time and take it too seriously, I think that it's kind of crushing in a way. So I think the humor brings something to it.
2: Yeah. The humor is key. I've always said that the memes channel is one of the most powerful channels in, in air miners because it's how we, it's how we express what's meaningful to us about, about carbon removal through images through talking about it. And it steals us to then be able to face that serious bit and, and not to be numb to it not to hide in, in charts and numbers. And you know, that this needs to happen. It's again, I was, I was thinking about this, it's, it's go time in 2023 for carbon removal. Um, it's time to take the culture that we've built and uh, scale it to pull up billion tons of carbon dioxide from the air and, and beyond.
1: So speaking of there's a new cohort of launch pad participants that the app for that is closing soon. And at least part of the impetus for this show is what you're trying to gather the stragglers, right? I think last chance get into this cohort this is my read, right?
0: Yeah, definitely. We have, um, so we do quarterly, Launchpad offerings. Launchpad is our accelerator and our deadline for application for this coming one is February 10th. So be there. We're, I mean, we always love seeing the newest and coolest ideas. And so we're really fortunate that we get to see that, but we also want to get the word out because there's just so many people participating in this industry that weren't participating before. And so the more of those folks we can reach and the more of them we can empower the better.
1: No, absolutely. There's, it's. I can't even keep track. We've talked about this on the show a million times. It's, it's a totally new place, which is thrilling. Which stage companies are you considering for Launchpad? Is this ideation? Is this something that's written on the back of a napkin? Is it they have customers? Do they have a product? Where are they when they go into Launchpad?
0: Yeah, between the two kind of extremes that you offered. So usually they have something done from a technical perspective, like lab prototype, some early results might have a customer, might not more often than not, they probably don't. Um, And that's one of the things that we talk about is like, how do you sell a carbon credit? There's an event coming up about that too. So for your listeners out there that are entrepreneurs that are asking that question, they can check that out. But yeah, that's a big, big component of it is how do you sell carbon credits? How does this market even work? Because it's kind of a weird wild, wild west situation and is constantly evolving. I mean, gosh, what it was last year and what it is this year is just completely different January to January.
1: Is that the primary means of monetization that you're seeing for these startups? You think they should be looking at carbon credits, or are there other alternatives that are should be on the table?
0: That's the majority of what we see, but it's not the only thing that we see. I mean, we definitely see combo plays like where they're selling a product and removing carbon at the same time. So they're selling super duper carbon negative protein that can be used in the production of, you know, faux hamburgers. Then that protein was pulled from seaweed and then they take the remnants of said seaweed and then pyrolyze it and and then it's carbon negative and they can sell carbon credits for that. So you can, you can definitely get combo situations like that where they have a product that they're selling and they also are selling carbon removal credits.
1: Hmm. Are they all pointing towards extremely long duration carbon removal and they're looking forward to qualifying for net zero? Are there many projects that are more like carbon storage? The terminology, and all this stuff it can use a fine tuning, I think. But yeah, for which, sure. Are you something like frontier where you're saying, well, don't come to us unless maybe there's a thousand years at some point. No. No, 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 no.
0: we, we definitely support carbon removal companies along the spectrum of permanence. So everything from the soil crew all the way to the thousand year mineralization, you know, like crew. And part of that is that I think that our thesis is we need it all. Soil carbon or even biochar may not be like, ridiculously permanent, but it pushes the time horizon out with regards to the amount of carbon we need to remove from the atmosphere. And if you just look at how much carbon has been pulled so far and what we need to get to, I mean, it the gap is vast. So even if we can delay needing to close the gap by 10 years, 20 years, 100 years, that helps. So we think that all methods are valid, necessary in order to make it so we don't overheat the planet. Everybody agrees that it's at least a hundred years. Could be longer, and the scientific community is still out on that. So, I'm not saying it couldn't be longer. I'm just saying that the general consensus is a hundred years, not longer, currently.
1: Well, that's only because there's a strong anti biochar uh, conspiracy happening at the highest <laughs> levels of academia. <laughs> at the, and the if, highest if knew, levels and, of academia. But <laughs> if you knew the truth, you, know, you would not be talking like this in a public forum. I have your home address so I can come over and talk about it sometime.
0: I'm in (laughs) Seattle with you. So there we go.
1: (laughs) (laughs) There's, God, yeah. I observed something true and then I amplified it and made myself available for extra criticism. So fun. Where do we go from here? Tell me, steer me back on track. Tell me about a cool company I don't know about. (laughs) Please, (laughs) Adina, help me.
0: (laughs) There's lots of cool companies. (laughs) There's lots of cool. I mean, I don't know. We see companies that are kind of acting across the board. So we've got a bunch of DAC companies, lots of modular DAC, everything from pH swing stuff all the way to being able to powderize sorbents and then float them through like a fluidized bed reactor to make the uh, reaction go really, really fast. Like there's just a bunch of really interesting stuff happening on the DAC side of the house. Lots of ocean I mean,
1: we're big fans of of the
0: ocean stuff. And we know that the science is still out on with regards to if you sink it, does it really stay down there? And does it mess anything up if you do that? Like, I got it. But it also has huge potential in terms of its removal. Um, So we're seeing a lot of robotics with regards to seaweed cultivation, seaweed collection, seaweed sinking. I think that's one of the reasons why I really love this work is that, it is not boring (laughs) for sure. It is not boring. You get to see all sorts of different things and to see the innovation that people have in solving this problem is, is incredible.
1: When you're working with these potential buyers and doing things like having a demo day where buyers are going to come in and look at these, these companies, are they really interested in the a high quality MRV and tracking so that they can claim a uh, negative emission, or are they more looking to brag about supporting early stage tech and are less concerned with the carbon accounting business, which, which one of those is, is doing most of the movement?
0: I would say you see both for sure. Yeah. It kind of just depends on what people's goals are. Right. So I would say within the buyer community, you kind of have two ish ends of the spectrum. One end is look, I've got emissions, I need to zero that situation out. I need highly credible stuff in order to do that. And I need it to scale. So I'm going to buy the highest quality scalable removal credits I can possibly get my hands on full stop. And then there are people that are on the other end of the spectrum that are like, that's great. But if we do not have supply, then this entire conversation is moot. So I got that there is a bunch of things that we need to do to get to really high quality MRV and all of that stuff. But if we don't fund the early stage, we're not totally sure yet. We've got some science that we still got to work out stage companies, then we're never going to get there. And so we definitely see people on that end of the spectrum. And so, yeah, it just depends.
1: I agree with the seriousness of this for having assets that qualify as truly negative, especially if you're trying to cancel out fossil fuel emissions. But I also love the idea of just supporting companies where they don't know. Just say, hey, this is a cool idea. We want money to test it. We need to get this going. Don't count it on your carbon balance sheet because that's inappropriate to do so. But this is something that will certainly help scale that. I feel like we've been, this whole conversation has been. Like we've been made extremely path dependent upon carbon accounting, and the only way people can think about this for the most part is I emitted x tons. I must remove or deal with x tons, and I feel like it's a it's a failure of creativity and imagination here to to think otherwise. I'm seeing signs of that changing. It sounds like maybe you are too, but it bums me out sometimes as well,
0: yeah, I mean. I don't know. I think that the super early Vanguard folks have been there for a while. The like, we're going to just try some stuff, like act now, perfect later. But I think that you also have to get really creative about how you fund these companies. It is complicated to fund really early stage companies in this space, because there's a lot of things that investors don't know, like What are the exit prospects for these companies? Like, are these going to go IPO? Like, is there even a market for that in the future? Are they going to be profitable? Is somebody going to acquire the situation? There's a lot of like questions. And so, solving for how do you get money into these companies early is something that we've done a lot of thinking about, and Tito can speak to in great detail.
1: I'd love to hear from both of you. I'd love to hear more about how that works because. So much of the carbon removal discussion has been on just does the tech work, and uh, a lot of it takes place at the level of hardware and less at the level of finance. There's some exceptions here, but yeah, how should these companies be structured are they Are they headed towards acquisitions, or are they trying to be the next major corporation that breaks through and becomes a unicorn that's standalone, who's going to become the Kleenex or Google of carbon removal? Like, which which of these models should should companies even be pointing toward?
0: I mean, Tito, you want to take a stab at that? It's
1: enormous. You can go any direction you want with it, Tito. Seriously, lots of stabbing. <laughs> it go like I think that's that's emerging in that sense. It's like, like
2: which direction should these companies go? Is it's up for them to to start to figure out. I mean, like that's what we're seeing from buyers. That's what we're seeing from in, investors. From these sort of risk takers from the corporate side, from the investor side, what they're trying to figure out is like Adina was saying is, is there a market for this in the future? Is it profitable? What's it look like for these companies to persist? Is it going to be, you know, a 100,000 different suppliers and there's a, a NASDAQ style marketplace and exchange? Is it going to be that there's, you know, kind of one that predominantly wins? Those questions right now, I think, are, are big blockers, specifically for investors when they're thinking about, you know, is when, when you're investing into... Ownership of a, of a startup company through equity. Is that something that's, that's going to work out for you long term? Is that something that's going to make sense for you long term? And I think the answer from us is, you know, the market's there today. It's growing quickly and it has to be there by 2050. And so really is these questions around market, I think are still spreading to the investor community. That's part of why we have the investor academy uh, session in terms of uh, helping investors that are new to car removal come you know, hear about how it works and and how we think that it's going to come together. But ultimately there's some, there there are some gaps that still need to be filled at the, you know, the very early stages of, of startup formation, getting capital, whether it's seed stage capital or capital from, from buyers is still something that's uh, that's, that's emerging.
0: I think that your question of like, should people be aiming for unicorn size? I mean, I think there's definitely room for a lot of unicorns. I mean, if you just do the math, like by 2050, we've got to be removing 10 billion tons a year of carbon. And most people are aiming for about a hundred bucks a ton. So you can do the math on that and be like, oh, that's a, that's a trillion dollar market right there. So there's definitely room for a bunch of unicorns for sure. And what timeline is that going to happen on is the big question, right? And at the same time, we still need carbon removal companies to get started now, because if we don't, we are going to be hosed as a human society. So I think there's this question of like, well, how do you de-risk it enough to make it palatable given the uncertainty of how this whole thing is going to shake out in the future? And I think we have some interesting answers to that. And I'll let Tito kind of elucidate on that a little bit more, but... Um, Yeah. I think that there's some creative financing options for sure.
1: You can just go ahead, Tito. I'd be happy to, to, to learn from you on this one. Yeah, totally. So, so the, the, the traditional one is,
2: you know, we've, we've, we're bringing together these startup companies, we're helping them get to traction, getting their science communicated and figured out, getting the economics figured out. And so de-risking companies at that stage makes a lot of sense. And so of course we're starting a traditional fund there to, to invest back into these companies. That's, you know, what's, what's nice about that is it's a way to support and, and participate in these companies when they're, you know, like you are saying, like pre having all their MRV figured out, pre being out in the field. And that's, that's one way, but, but we see that the, I mean, the, the number of investors who are doing that, there's still some of these hesitations about the, you know, how how big is the market is going to be, what kind of risk they're taking on. And so one other thing that we've seen that we're exploring is, what about helping early stage companies sell their future carbon credits so we know that the one thing that brings together these carbon rule companies is that they're all either directly selling carbon rule credits or they're they're assisting it in some way so if you're a director capture company or you're a storage company or you're a biochar company the, the product that brings them all together is that it's carbon removal credits uh, maybe some of them have a you know a physical product or they're you know they're selling their biochar to farmers or they're making food from the seaweed. But the thing that, that really unites all of these carbon removal companies is that they are removing carbon dioxide from the air. That's the, the fundamental thing. And so what we're seeing is the benefit for early stage companies is they, they know what product they're going to be developing. And so that's the same, uh, same benefit for investors. You know what, company, what, what product these companies are going to be making. They're going to be making carbon removal credits. What if there's something that we can build around that that, that truth, or that, like we know that that's who the customers are. We know what the product is. Uh, there's not many kind of startup industries that have that kind of certainty in a way. Uh, if you're a software company, sure you're going to be making software, but you don't really know who your customer is. You don't really know what the pricing is. Whereas with Carbon Ruble, we know we're going to hit a ten gigaton, ten billion tons per year market. We're going to need to hit a ten billion tons per year market, and it's going to be something around. Ah, uh, hundred dollars a ton. If you look at the projections from Bloomberg, for example, they have it spiking to two hundred fifty dollars around twenty thirty, and then slowly descending to to twenty fifty. So yeah, there's some like really curious stuff in there around like, what if we can help uh, investors and startups have have a stronger intersection around selling future carbon credits in uh, kind of as a complement to uh, buying equity in these in these companies.
0: See some deep thoughts happening over there, Ross.
1: What should I make for dinner tonight? Mm. (laughs) (laughs) There's a podcast going on. No, there is a lot to think about there. There There's so many different angles. You said something to me related to this the other day, Tito, which was the size of investments in carbon removal marketplaces was quite high in some regards relative to other investment opportunities. I'm not sure exactly on the, the metrics on that. Maybe one of you can explore that a little bit, but- Do you think people, including Nori, we're a marketplace? Do you think we're too early? Do you think that marketplaces can be doing something to help in a less traditional kind of way? Marketplaces are about throughput and volume, right? And given that there's not a lot of that, what should all the money that's going into marketplaces do? Or should marketplaces be using that money to do something differently? God, I'm trying to say this in such a cautious way. I don't want to spill the beans on what I'm thinking about it, but go ahead react in <laughs> that limited way I
2: think on anything you can do to unlock Supply that's where we've seen our whole focus is around is how do we unlock more supply whoever wants to help solve that marketplaces or or anybody else and I think that's the that's the key to, to getting to these billion ton levels at least in 2023 that's the that's the bottleneck is who's going to actually pull this stuff out of the sky and how are they going to do it
0: and how are we going to have funding to do it?
2: Yeah, and how do like and how do we funding to do it in the sense of like able to quit your job and like start prototyping a thing? By the time you've got your MRV figured out, like cool, yeah, you you know you're much more it's it's much more easily funded. But there's the gap at that really early stage where there's there's not enough buyer cash going around in terms of pre purchases. You know they're able to pay sometimes even like fifty percent upfront or something. But most of them, you know, the the, the amount of pre-purchase cash that you get is low investor capital again pre-MRV pre kind of starting to scale up it's it's there's, there's a really big gap there
0: yeah so i don't know if marketplaces like to your question Ross like can marketplaces play a role in that i mean i guess it depends on like how willing y'all are to take risk right and i think that, that has a lot to do with who your buyers are and who you're serving And I don't know that it is a marketplace solvable issue to deal with that particular section of the, it's essentially the crossing the chasm gap, right? Yeah. You've got to sort that out. Um, And so we see this opportunity to basically say, okay, investors, like what if you were to invest in carbon removal, future credits now that are deliverable by 2030 and we've got a pretty darn good idea of what those things are going to sell for. And so you basically get the arbitrage between them and it's good for the startups because it's non-dilutive capital and it's a clear signal that there is demand for those credits and it helps the supply situation and that it gets more suppliers online faster. So that's how we're thinking about it.
1: That's a fun idea. What do you think is coming next? Like right now it's all about various ways of doing forward financing is mostly what I'm seeing. A lot of this is the CDR to FYI site. As much as I love it, freaks me out whenever I look at it to the tons bought versus tons delivered. I'm like, Oh my God, this is a long ways Even to go.
2: Even the tons bought is, is, has a long ways to go. Yeah.
1: So that is like, small. Yeah.
2: I think with the gap that's, that's, or the opportunity here is that like, in a sense, these early buyers are they're they're, they're, they're These pre-purchasers are in a sense trying to help with this cross and the chasm thing, but like, they're not really trying to do that. Like they're, they're trying to buy carbon, you know, like, and you're trying to, you're trying to purchase carbon, but you also want to help these companies bridge this gap. And it's just, that's, that's where this, you know, this idea of like helping startups get early capital by pre-selling carbon futures at a discount. That's where it's like, okay, now you can actually, you know, invest comfortably. You're buying carbon credits. You're getting this discount. Uh, it starts to make things make a lot more sense. Look, there are buyers like, uh, like sh- like that the really get the, you know, the risk that they're taking on. I think Shopify is a great example of this. right? They're going in, they're like, these purchases, we've got our $5 million a year uh, sustainability fund. This is meant to be catalytic capitalists, meant to get companies over the, over the gap. But all buyers aren't, aren't that, and they shouldn't need to be that. Like, they should be able to just buy carbon. And so we need to be able to set up this uh, the system so that buyers can buy carbon, investors can take risk and, and support early stage companies, uh, and early stage companies can get their get the financing and, and and credits and customers that they that they need to get off the ground to get to you know MRV stage to get to scaling up stage, and so bridging that gap is really really key because in a sense we're like we're inviting all these people to start companies. And being able to, to bridge the gap from, you know, you've got an idea and a prototype to you're up and running, and you have a team That gap is really, really important for our ability to get to this billion tons by, by 2030 and 10 billion tons removed every year by 2050.
1: Do either of you have any sense on which family of technologies will best achieve that goal of scale and cost? No, you don't, you don't even want to make it. No, that's the whole, I mean, that's, that's the whole gap
2: right now. Right. Is you're like, you're throwing diligence at a wall and trying to figure out, like you're trying to pick winners when there's not even a baseball field yet. Right. Like there's not even, we haven't even invented baseball bats. Like it's, we're just so early in this, in this market that like you can, you can say, look, we know this market needs to be big. And by 2050 it is going to be big, but the gap there is, well, how do you, how do you say that? How do you, how do you invest like that? How do you, uh, design your career around that.
0: If you also look at the scale of the problem, Ross, like the scale of the problem is insane, right? Like I don't think that you're going to just get it done with the director of capture companies or just get it done with the ocean companies or just get it done with the biochar companies. Like all of those have very real scalability potential, but the scalability in one sector is not sufficient to meet the 10 billion tons required to save the planet. <laughs> like, it's, it's not going to happen otherwise. So that's part of the reason why we think it's really important to have a diverse portfolio of companies that are attempting to make this
1: climb. You said 3000 people may be working carbon removal, 4,000 Tito, at least on the supplier yeah, side. That's my estimate. There's yeah. nothing on nothing. the supplier side.
2: There's nothing.
1: You could probably whip together some crazy half-baked idea you just had listening to this show, bother Tito and Adina with it. And before you know it, you'll be in the launchpad. Just kidding. That's fr- it's probably, it's more than that. I'm going to have to strike this too.
0: <laughs> no, you, I mean, I mean like, look, you know, we have, great. we have companies though that have come through like that. I mean, we have our boot up series, right? Which is like you're oh, brand good. new to CDR. Very and good. I did this program, by the way, it's how awesome. I ended up like in Tito's virtual office being like, hi, yeah, I want to do smart. this. But, you know, we have boot up, which is like, I'm brand new to CDR. I don't know what's going on. Like, tell me about all the things. Tell me about all the methods. What are all the problems? And we have teams that come out of that that go on to form companies and X number of quarters later apply to Launchpad and get in. So, like, yeah, it's a real thing. And it's an all hands on deck situation. And if you are inspired to try and take this particular, like, task on, like, let us know how we can empower you because we need as many people as we can get in this boat. It is going to take a monumental human effort to achieve what we're trying to achieve.
1: You guys, pretty excited about your work? Does it ever get you down? Are you mostly pretty optimistic?
0: I think we're both just pretty optimistic as human <laughs> beings. I don't know, Tito. What do you think?
2: I was like, there's this guy uh, Hans Rosling who had he, he framed himself as a as a possibleist. And so it's when you're grounded in like, we've, we've had 70 plus startup teams go through the AirMinders Accelerator, right? So we're very grounded in like what's possible. And when you're grounded in what's possible and you look forward, but people may think you're an optimist, but you're just really just speaking the truth of what you're, of what you're seeing. And I think that's going to be obvious looking back, you know, 2030, 2050, people look back and like, it's, it's the risk takers that are going to be the ones to, to figure out how to make this happen. Like this, this sort of idea of like, oh, somebody's going to come up with some random idea. That is likely what is going to giga 10 scale carbon removal is those, whether you call them Eureka moments, whether you call it somebody from the outside coming to the inside, this bottom-up approach, whether you call them entrepreneurs, whether you look at investors, whether you look at buyers, bottom-up approach is, is true. Like if you look at the, the new carbon removal companies that have gotten started, these people are climate scientists. They're not like... <laughs> You know, experts in carbon removal, there aren't any for one, uh, <laughs> and and you know, it's it's people that that do say, hey, you know, they're looking at a director of capture machine and say, hey, that I, I I know the design of that motor really well. There's ten different ways you could make that motor better, and I'm going to go do it. And you're like, well, I didn't even know that you had motors, <laughs> right? I mean, it's just bring people into carbon removal. I think is that's that's how we're going to get to this billion tons by 2030, and that's why having an accelerator program is so key for that. Is we're able to. To meet founders where they are, people with an idea, people with something that can become a solution, and without so much judgment around, like, oh, we think this will be, you know, this will be gigaton or not. It needs to emerge. That's the thing. So you need support, you need resources, start figuring out whether the thing is going to work or not.
0: Yeah. And I think that there's also just like, you know, they always say like it's lonely at the top, right? It's like, okay, it's lonely at the top. And then you pick an industry that is of the size that this is, right? And then it's like, just continue to persevere by yourself, right? Like that's not gonna work. (laughs) So I think that a big part of what we do is we actually provide a space for people to authentically connect and talk about the tough stuff of being an entrepreneur, but not just the tough stuff of being an entrepreneur, it's it's being an entrepreneur in carbon removal at this point in time. It is a unique set of challenges that does not exist for most entrepreneurs. If you're starting a software company or an app company or whatnot, it's just not the same. And I think that having a community of people where you're in the same boat together makes a huge difference for being able to not just share knowledge, but also share the frankly emotional and mental journey that this is. Because these are the crazy ones that are saying, I'm can, i going to do this and... We love those folks. That's that's why we do what we
1: do. Airminers has always struck me as a pretty friendly community, especially to admit uncertainty too. I th- I never felt bad about asking a quote unquote bad question or stupid question, and uh, I always like that culturally. And Nori's big on that too. Whenever we run meetings, we always try to make it so that I oftentimes try to throw out the worst idea possible at the start of a meeting, especially a brainstorming one, just so that there's a baseline where it's like, you can't have an idea worse than this one. But oftentimes yeah. like, that idea, someone will be like, not this, this is not that good of an idea, but what about this? And you're like, you have a good laugh. You're like, but wait a second, what about this? And then of course, all the best ideas have come out of that. Like this pitch is bad. And then a riff on that has made it amazing. I don't know if yeah. you've seen it at all, but
2: I love culture like that. We've it's seen that more bad. of that. It's, it's totally like that. We need to see more of that. That's an Lamont has um, uh, shitty first drafts is the concept. And you just, you get the shitty first drafts out of the way. We would love to see more shitty first drafts, like whatever it is you've got, whatever the, whatever the concept is, whatever the idea is, you can judge the progress of an industry. And I think you can judge the progress of carbon removal by the number of shitty first drafts. And we need to see more shitty first drafts. We need to see, a, a wider diversity of, of ideas and concepts that really seem like, is that really going to work? Whether it's, whether it's something from the capture storage removal uh, marketplaces, MRV or a new category, you know, dare to think of something that's, that's going to actually get us to, to gigaton scale carbon dioxide removal with the goal of a gigaton by, by 2030. I mean, that's, uh, we've, if again, if you look at the charts, we've pre-sold something like a million Carbon ruble tons—that's one tenth of a percent of a of a billion tons. Like we really do need radical risk takers to come along, and again, that's that's risk takers in terms of entrepreneurship, starting startups, making investments, making purchases, and that's that's how we're going to get there. It's really exciting. I Me mean, ask about like—is it—is <laughs> it optimistic and possible? Is It's freaking cool. Like looking through meeting meeting new teams, working on um, some solution you've never thought of or never heard of. Uh, working on a problem that you've never thought of or heard of. I mean, that's that's one of the benefits, I think, of this kind of second generation of carbon removal companies is you could potentially go interview everybody at Climeworks, ask them what problems they're seeing, and then go out and build a solution that you can partner with every direct-air capture company to to provide a solution for it, right? So you start getting these, like, you can start solving industry-scale problems. You can directly remove carbon yourself. Big, big opportunities there.
1: Adina, are you cool with the launch pad being associated with so many shitty first drafts? You Definitely like that you like it? Yeah. <laughs>
0: because you know what? Like they come in shitty first drafts and like, gosh, the amount that you can accomplish in six weeks is amazing. It really is. You know, from the like that pressure cooker, like everybody's in the same boat, driving toward a common goal. There really is something about community providing that foundation and that space for creating what is, I mean, often it's like the miraculous, you know, today we were working on pitches, right. And there's this one team that I'm working with. And like, I remember their very, very first pitch like two weeks ago and it was a pile, you know, it was, and then they came back and I was like, yeah, this is good. Yeah. I think you're ready to like call up Shopify, like go do uh-huh. that. Right. So it really can be a quick turnaround. And I think that the the community aspect, also just having talked to a lot of buyers, like I think that Airminers is an odd place in that it's not like we're isolating into one silo. Like we only talk to the entrepreneurs. It's like, no, we talk to the entrepreneurs, we talk to the investors, we talk to the buyers, we talk to the marketplaces. We understand like what all of those folks are kind of looking at and what they're concerned for, et cetera. So we can help these teams tell their story in a way that's compelling, understandable, et cetera, to all of these different people that are going to be relevant for their success. And so I think that those things in combination, plus being able to provide a real platform for people to talk about what they're doing via the investor demo days or the buyer demo days, it's totally okay to have a shitty first draft. We will get you to the place where you can have successful conversations with the folks that are going to matter to you.
2: It's working. I mean, that sense like, 70 plus teams have, have come through $23 million has been raised three of the teams won milestone awards from the X prize, carbon rule prize, two of them won student prize money. So this is the approach that we need. We're proving it out. And again, of course, we're adding on a fund. Of course, we're looking at how to deploy capital to these companies. It's working. And we, we we would love to see more, more people giving it a shot.
1: I love it. Links to all those things are in the show notes. If you've been thinking about a carbon removal idea, why not apply? Why not try to get involved in air miners? boot up is great. So many good resources here. Also, thanks to you both for maybe titling the show. I think I'm gonna have to call it something with shitty first drafts. Uh, I don't know. If, I've never sweared in a episode title, but maybe, maybe I need to, I don't know. We'll we'll maybe see. Is it,
0: maybe it is an explicit content warning. I, I think, <laughs> I
1: think it finally got there. I feel like if I had to bleep out shitty 50 times in a row, it would be unlistenable. So <laughs> I'm not cutting that segment. I'm not cutting it. So, <laughs> Thanks you both for being here. Big fan of what you do. I think what you do is so important. I love air miners. It's my favorite place to hang out. I'm kind of more of a lurker now just because I feel uh, overwhelmed by more quotidian duties, but I'm a big supporter and thanks for what you do.
0: Thank you. Thanks, Ross, for having us on.
1: Hey, thanks for listening. Send this to a friend. Send this to a friend with a great carbon removal idea. Give us a great rating on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. Uh, It helps us a lot to get this to more people. And thank you so much for listening. Thank you so much for listening. If you could please subscribe and give us a great rating and review on Apple Podcasts or a rating on Spotify, that'd be much appreciated. It helps us get our content out to more people. You can sign up for our newsletter at nori.com, follow us on social media, and we will catch you next time.